not knowing how to handle this. I've not been trained <laughs> how to handle the church in a pandemic, and we want to be safe. We don't want to put anybody in danger, but we also have faith, and some people get offended if you go one way, and some people get offended if you go another way, and da-da-da-da. So it's shaking. It, it shakes everything, and I, we know, <clears throat> and I teach that we, we have a foundation that's unshakable. You know, we know that, but still I find even myself feel shaken at my foundation. I see my kids and my wife and you guys as family, and it feels like things are shaking. It's very traumatic, and, and what, I think what we tend to do, and me included, we, we tend to kind of panic, right? Like, what do I do? I don't know what to do, and that's exactly what happened, especially when I got sick. I was kind of in, kind of in a panic, like, I don't know what to do. You know, I've had conversations with many of you about this. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Things have happened. Um, I'm hurt, my, my heart's broken over some things, and it's just lo- lots of different levels of that. And it, it shakes you, it, it just kind of shakes you in this very traumatic experience. So um, the good thing is God's given us his word to go to and see what happens when other people are shaken. And the interesting thing is every time I look to scripture for this, I realize, and it's not, not diminishing what we are going through, but it's also realizing that other people have gone through very similar things and some, most of the time much, much worse than we're going through. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, much, 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 much worse. Um, I don't know if you guys know Paul, who was Saul. Um, he went, he went, he's, he's seen some things, right? He's been through some stuff. Um, we're, I'm going to kind of preface this. Most of you know a lot of this, but you know the disciples went out, um, and I'm going to kind of, we're going to be in Acts, Eventually, we'll get to Acts 16. But leading up to Acts 16, there's lots of things that different, lots of different things that happen. They were going out amongst people. We know that um, the Holy Spirit fell on the Jews, and that it fell on the Gentiles, which was crazy. We talked about that several weeks ago. Um, and they were all mesmerized, especially all the Jews were mesmerized at it. They were like, hey, these guys are uncircumcised, and they're getting the Holy Spirit. Like, we're getting it. This is crazy. Um, but it was prophecy being fulfilled that they were going to get it too, and that's us. Um, and as we go into this, Paul, who was Saul, who was persecuting the church, is now preaching Jesus and preaching grace, radical grace, and saying Jesus is the way that, that you have to let go of everything that you've ever believed in and grab onto Jesus alone. And that was a very radical message. He was flinging grace everywhere, and most of people did not like it. From Jews to Greeks to Romans, no one liked it. Greeks thought, that, well, when they finally started to accept it, Greeks even thought they were like gods, calling them you know, you're Zeus, and they're like, oh, you're missing the point. And then the Jews hated it. It was breaking, breaking their whole system down, which was a bit of a corrupt system even. Um, and it was, it was taking money out of their pockets. It was taking um, people away from their synagogues, and they were all going to, so they were causing a ruckus, serious ruckus, um, so much so that they were trying, they wanted to kill them. I mean, they were looking to kill them. At one point, Paul got stoned almost to death. They, they thought he was dead, and the disciples gathered around him, and he rose up. I don't know if, they, if he died and came back. I don't know. But it just says that he was stoned, and they thought he was dead, and the disciples gathered, and he rose up, and they left. <laughs> and so this is, not, this is not lighthearted persecution. This is serious stuff that they're dealing with. So Paul is, is well, Paul and Barnabas, there's all these different people, and we're going to end up with Paul and Silas, but they're going throughout the country, and they're preaching Jesus. They're preaching Jesus alone. You've got to grab onto this. You've got to let, it go, let go of anything else you ever believed in. Um, even uh, Peter at one point stands up because they're, they get into this big division about circumcision and well, okay, the Jews are like, we're, we're okay with the Gentiles getting in, but they need to be circumcised. And they try to basically tack on some law on top of grace. And Peter's like, no, don't, 
do this. Don't put a yoke on them that you can't even bear. And so we, we, we kind of fast forward to uh, Acts 16, and uh, Paul and Silas have been thrown in prison, and I'm going to tell you why here shortly. If you want to turn with me to Acts 16.16, 16, that's where we're going to start. <clears throat> I love how real the Bible is. Like, I love that they don't sugarcoat anything. They just, they just tell it like it is. Acts 16.16 16 says, Once when, the, <clears throat> when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female uh, who had a, a spirit by which she predicted the future, and she earned a great deal of money for her owners, she was a slave, uh, by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. <laughs> so she was shouting this for many days. Um, finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Now, I love this because legitimately it says he was so annoyed that he cast out a spirit. This is not some super spiritual thing. She was chanting truth. She was chanting good things, but for days. <laughs> and if you can imagine, you're on a journey and you've got someone in your ear constantly, it can probably get annoying. And it very clearly says he was annoyed and he just turns around and casts a spirit out, out of being annoyed. Now, it's funny because uh, Ben and I were just talking about this. this uh, we came up here and we were just kind of discussing some things and we we're just talking about he had, uh, he had read somewhere, heard uh, a preacher talk about, um, uh, was it Steve McVeigh? He was, was talking about, did Jesus have a planner? Like Jesus had an iPhone and he had a planner. Well, we're going to feed 5,000 at noon and then, you know, I'm going to do this or same thing with Paul. I'm going to I'm going to be annoyed by this woman probably, and then I'm going to cast out this demon. No, I, don't, I think that it's cool to see that Jesus just lived by the Spirit. He, he says, I just do what I see my Father do. Um, I, think, I think Paul and Silas are the same way. They just follow the same thing that Jesus did, and they go out. And they get annoyed. They cast out the Spirit. And here's what happens. Verse 19, when our owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar, and they were, uh, but by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in shackles. So... Think about this. One of the things, we watched the Chosen series while we were in quarantine, try to watch some wholesome stuff with all the garbage we were watching because we watched a couple other series too, Um, (laughs) just being honest. But the Chosen was really cool in the beginning. um, It has this, this, uh, I don't know if you all have seen it, but it has like a bunch of gray fish swimming and then a blue fish turns around and another blue fish. It's a really cool, vivid picture. Um, And I think it's interesting. um, We see these guys just being annoyed, casting out a spirit, and now they're thrown into prison for it. They're being beaten and flogged for literally just casting out a spirit, and this was not like a planned activity or anything. They, they weren't thinking, I don't think that they woke up that morning thinking this is what's going to happen. Um, but they're, they're thrown in prison, and many scholars will say that most of these prisons were underground, and it was raw sewage. They were like knee-deep in raw sewage. So it's an unpleasant to, place to be in, uh, for sure. But, verse 25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Imagine that. One thing we liked about the, the series is it brings those things to life. It's like, a, it's like a movie. It's like a show showing you what you see in Scripture on the screen. It's really cool. And I just imagine this, 
like I, I see it as a movie. It's kind of how my brain works anyway, like cartoons. But I see this in a movie and, and playing out. I can imagine them just singing and echoing through the halls and everyone can hear it. And even the, the guard can hear it. They're singing praises and hymns to God as they're in prison and shackles. Not only are they in prison and shackles, but they've just been beaten badly. Not lightly beaten. They were beaten with rods, publicly humiliated, stripped down of their clothes and beaten in front of people. And they end up in prison, and what do they do? They sing hymns. <laughs> they pray, and they sing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the, foundation of the prison, that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now think about this. I think about this as, as if it's a TV show. You see the earthquake. These guys are, are God's people. They're in prison. The earth shakes. Doors fly open. The shackles fall off. What do you say? Get out. Run. You're free. Like God has done this. You're free. Right? I mean, that seems pretty logical. But they don't. They just stay there. And this prisoner knows is so sure that he's going to be killed for these people that have escaped. He's about to kill himself. That's how hopeless he was. Now, this man has a family, but he knows, he knows what it's like. And if you study Roman culture, you'll see he, they don't play. He knows what it's like if he gets caught and these prisoners are gone. And he is just about to fall on a sword and kill himself. And Paul says, no, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Man. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied the same thing they'd been telling everyone. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And they even add something to the back end of it. It says, and you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At the hour, sorry, I can't see. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jail with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, <clears throat> the jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can, you can leave. Go in peace. Let's stop here for a minute. Let's look at how this played out. The earth shakes, literally the earth shakes. All the doors fling open and all the shackles fall off. Paul and Silas had been singing and praying to the Lord. I think when our, and, and all of analogies, all of these analogies will break down in some way, shape, or form, but I think that the Holy Spirit can teach us through this in what we're dealing with now. So I'm not trying to make these things equal. I'm just trying to see the truths that are in here and then relate them to some of the things that we deal with now. And I think it's very similar in some ways. One of the things that I've found is when things begin to shake, we tend to panic. We want to run, whether it's run to fight or run to flee. People talk about uh, fight or flight. Um, I always propose a third option to talk because <laughs> we're not animals. 
You don't always have to fight and, and also listen, and you don't always have to run. I think there's a very important time, specifically now that we are on the other side of the cross, we're on the other side of when the Holy Spirit has come to live in us, that we can rest regardless of our circumstances, and we can listen to what, the, what, listen to what God is saying to us personally. We talked about a few weeks ago that God is not a, a, a nation God like it was in the Old Covenant. He is a personal God. He, he sees you right where you are, and he speaks to you in each individual situation that you deal with. That was demonstrated to us in Christ. It was shown to us even as Paul and Silas were in prison. They don't just run out. They're free already. You see, it's not the circumstances. Paul says it later on. He says, look, I found the secret to contentment. I can do all things. This is not just a clever sports thing that you can do all things. The emphasis shouldn't be on you. It should be on Christ who strengthens me. What he's saying is I've had great and I've had little. I've been beaten nearly to death, and I've been uh, admired by everyone because of who I was as Saul, Jew of Jews. You know, he goes through all this list of things. He says, look, I've seen both ends of this thing, and none of it compares to knowing Christ. None of it. This is where Paul and Silas find themselves with their feet in poop, (laughs) shackled, beaten, bloody. And they sing hymns. Doors fling open, shackles fall off, and their purpose is clear. It's for the guard. They're there for a reason. Their enemy, the one that's guarding them with a sword to keep them in prison, they see that as an opportunity. This is where I, I find myself when, when I start being more introspective or self-centered or self-referential, we call, instead of being Christ-centered. When you get sick, it's easy to do that. I've done it in the past, and I've found that I, you don't Google your symptoms ever because you're dead. You are dead already. Don't ever Google your symptoms, ever. Good Lord. Anyway, when you get sick or when you find yourself in a traumatic event, it's, it's very easy to start being more think, thinking about yourself more, not just being selfish per se, but trying to fix things on your own. Right? I, 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 I probably preach in the choir here because I think we all do that in some ways. We have plans, and when our plans don't go the way we think they should go, we take that upon ourselves as though we've failed. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. You guys get to listen. When things don't go the way that you think that they should go, you think that you have failed when in, in actuality you may be not just not listening correctly. Maybe you are trying to, to do something that maybe God's not doing, in, in, or maybe he's doing it in a different way in a different time. We're going to continue this story, and they're going to be free in, in a much more glorious fashion. But they were free already before they were ever out of prison. Why? Because they're not bound by their circumstances, and neither are we. I don't know if you've ever had the flu or COVID, but it is a, a very unpleasant experience. Being sick in general is an unpleasant experience. One of the things that I remember... Um, I had a sketchy childhood, turned into a sketchy teenage years, and at, at one point I got arrested and I ended up in jail. I was eight, I just turned 18, um, and my friends were 17 because I failed the sixth grade. Yay me. So basically everything got pinned on me because I was the adult. They were all 17 and they weren't adults, and they all went home and I went to jail. And I'll never forget being in jail, <laughs> thinking all I want to do is go home and be in a comfortable bed. I just want to go, I want to go to a place that's safe. I want to go to a place that's comfortable. I want to go, go to a place where I am comforted, where I am safe. 
and jail was not that place. It was very cold, people I didn't know, <laughs> being treated like a criminal because I was at the time. It was a very bad place to be, and I can, I can imagine being in that place. I wasn't saved at the time, but I can't imagine being in that place and being happy. I mean, to think about, on this side of it, thinking about, man, what if I was, what if I was saved? How could I have treated that differently? But also fast forward to even recently when I was able to go to the doctor and go to uh, get this infusion, I was able to speak to the nurses and thank them for everything that they were doing and pray with them and talk to them in the midst of everything that's going on. There are still opportunities for us to minister to people. And I think it's, it's a very dangerous place for us to get, especially as Christians, to try to withdraw and to try to run or even sometimes to try to fight when that's not the time to fight. Sometimes we need to rest and listen to what God's doing in the moment. I don't think, I don't think, I know, I'm not going to say I don't think, I know from, from evidence of Scripture and evidence in my life that the Holy Spirit is very active. And God is speaking moment to moment to every one of you. And in each individual situation, he is giving you answers and he, he's giving you ways to live out this Christ life daily. It's not as rigid as you think, and it's not as boring as you think. It's actually very fun. Something that really drives me insane, and I've said it over and over again, and I'll probably get criticized for it by somebody at some point, but I hate this contactless society that we're trying to turn into. It scares me to death. I can't even go to Dollar General. I love going to this gas station up here because this guy's super cool. If you haven't met him, he's a super cool guy, and he's really charismatic, and we talk. Anytime I go in there, I talk and joke around with him. I love that, and I fear, my greatest fear right now is that we are so afraid of getting sick that we pull away from each other and we are so socially distant that it, it breaks us down. And I, I'll keep saying it, it's, it's literally how we, pu we punish prisoners. We separate them from people and they go insane. They get depressed and they get introspective and they just fall apart. And we are, we are no different. We are designed, we were built, we were created to be around people. Now, what that looks like to you, I, it's not my job to tell you. I'm not saying be ignorant or reckless, but I'm telling you safe is a fallacy. There is no safe. You guys drive on the interstate and one bolt could kill you. I work on cars, I know. <laughs> you know, we buckle our seatbelts and we lock our doors, but we'll drive 80 on the interstate like it's no big deal. And you see wrecks constantly on the interstate. We'll jump in an airplane and fly. How insane is that? <laughs> there's a comedian, I love this, there's a comedian that talks about it, he cracks me up, and uh, he talks about people complaining on the runway because they had to sit for 30 minutes. And he was like, really? Like, imagine back when we had, like, horses and buggies. It'd take you, like, four days to get to where you're going. It takes you 30 minutes. You, like, go to the bathroom and <laughs> watch a movie, and you're there. You know, like, you're literally sitting in a chair in the sky. <laughs> like, wrap your mind around that. We're so, I don't know. Anyway, I digress. I'm just saying, <clears throat> my concern and my fear is that we, because of all this social distancing, it trickles into every, I mean, even pizzas, they're talking about contact, contactless delivery. I want to talk to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? We need, to, we need to be able to communicate with each other. One of the scenes that I saw even in The, the Chosen just struck me. God, it struck me so hard to see it in front of me was the leper coming up to Jesus. Golly, what a time to see that because everyone isolated from those guys because you could, you could get real sick and it was disgusting and it was bad. And instead, Jesus goes to him, and he doesn't just heal him. And I love it in the, in, the, in the show, The Chosen. After he heals him, he gives him a big hug. And that's just like, whoa. 
This, this guy was sick. Everyone was scared that what this guy had was going to get on them, but Jesus knew what he had was going to get him healed. That's what we need to see. We need to see that there's something greater than what we're seeing on the surface. The spiritual battle, it says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight in heavenly realms. We fight a spiritual battle. It's not just a temporary thing that we're dealing with. This COVID, you know, it's, it's going to morph and change. It's a virus. It's going to do what it does. But this is, that's all temporary. What we deal with is eternal. We deal with spiritual things. This, when we talk about the Holy Spirit being in us, when we talk about Paul and Silas being in there singing hymns, and when the doors fly open, they're more concerned with the guard than they are being physically free. Man. All right, so... He goes to their house. They get baptized. They all believe. They get messaged. They say to release them. But I love this. Verse 37. Paul, this is what I love about the Bible being so real. Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial. You talk about identity. This man knew who he was in Christ. He said, they beat us publicly without trial. Even though we are Roman citizens, they threw us into prison. And now, do they want, us, do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and they, <clears throat> and they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting, that, requesting them to leave the city. They weren't demanding. I love that. Will you guys please leave? You're causing an uproar. Requesting them to leave the city, and I love this. After Paul, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house. <laughs> they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. They're like, we, we're good. We do what we want. Like, you don't know, you don't know who you're dealing with here. We, we are part of a different kingdom. And I love that. I love the boldness that they had. Um, the question I have here is, are, are we willing to wait on the Lord? Uh, Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Um, something that I find a lot, especially in churches, is in your Christian walk, in your Christian life, many of us, and me included, will get to a place where you you feel like you've, you've kind of leveled off and you feel like you need a refreshing, you're renewing, or you need something new, you need a, a sign, or you need something, you're, you're just... you're you feel desperate for something. And what I find is if, if we're not careful, instead of doing what the scriptures tell us and to wait on the Lord and to listen to the Lord, we will begin to try to manifest things on our own. This is where many of us have found ourselves in a religious setting where we get on this hamster wheel of performance. It's because we, we don't feel a certain way and we, we put our faith in how we feel and not the truth about what, what Jesus is saying and what God's saying to us. We have to be very careful with that. And there's... there's it's, you're not alone in that. It's ha- it happened in Scripture, and it happens to many people now. But what we can't do is we can't start striving for something that we already have. So I feel like that's a very dangerous place for us as Christians to get into, to get to a place where we, we begin to try to manufacture things so that we feel better about what we do. There's an example of this in 2 Timothy uh, 1.3. This is Paul writing to Tim- Timothy. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, and I, he's... Listen, he says something in here three times. He says, my forefathers did as with, without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears. 
that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is where? That is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Through the laying on of my hands, for God has, has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Listen, I am not against stirring your gift, but you have it. Don't search for something you already have. It's a, it's a very frustrating place to be to try to get into a room you're already in. Listen, I want to encourage if you, especially in traumatic times and dealing with all this COVID stuff, and then, geez, a Cat 4 hurricane, we didn't know if that was going to come. Um, and even this, man, I got so discouraged even with the conference. We had all these people coming in and flying in, and then I couldn't even come. I mean, I was just like, geez. And then Joshua, one of our friends in Louisiana, called me Sunday morning. He showed up here. He was like, hey, y'all aren't having church. Drove all the way from like three hours away. But even in the midst of that, we spent 45 minutes on the phone talking, had a great conversation. He was super cool about it. I felt horrible. Um, but I was, we were able to, to talk and minister to each other. It was a really cool thing. But, man, I was really discouraged in that. Like, all that that was going on, I, I, you know, should I go? Should I not go? What do I do? Where do I, you know? And what I found when I began to pray and listen to the Holy Spirit, he, it's, and it's very frustrating to a, a doer. I'm a doer. Like, I go and do. I don't always think through everything. <laughs> I'll just dive in headfirst to some things. I mean, I'll just, I'll just go in. And it's very difficult for me to sometimes to take to sit back and, and rest and listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying before I go. The cool thing about being sick is you don't have a choice. <laughs> so I had to listen. I had to rest. And so in those places of rest, I found when I looked in Scripture, the Lord highlighted this story. And I think it's cool that we, especially Acts, we always want to talk about those, the upper room in Acts, which is awesome. We want to talk about those really powerful moments but we don't always talk about these lower rooms when they're in prison. I don't hear this preached very often about this, this prison guard. That's a, that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal for us to see an enemy or even someone that we just disagree with and not just run away and try to find other people that we agree with and get in that group instead of, man, <laughs> I'm gonna, I might get in trouble here, but we, we've got... We've got to see that God has placed you somewhere for a reason, and you're, you're there to grow. Be careful trying to find a bunch of ears when you may need to minister to a foot. <laughs> you know, we all want to go overseas and, and minister to people, but, you know, are we willing to, to minister to our boss or our next-door neighbor? You know, we want to find a church that checks all the boxes or a group that we feel like we fit in. When God may have you in a place, and I'm not saying this, this is everyone, but God may have you in a place that you don't fit in for a reason. I remember speaking to, to one of my really close friends, and he was a part of a ministry that he felt out of place in that ministry. He felt like they were all going in a different direction than him. And I said, man, if it's, if it's so bad that you feel like you need to leave, then I understand you need to leave, but maybe you're there for a reason. Maybe you're there to minister to them. Maybe God's placed you in this place that you can even just for a season, that you can minister to them in areas that no one else in their group will because they're all going one way. I don't know, but think about that. And that was the case. He was there for a reason, for a season, to be able to minister to them in a way that no one else would see because they were all thinking the same way. What I find with, with specifically empathy as Christians, 
God's not just wanting you to meet people where they are the same way he does with you so that you can change them, but sometimes it's so they can change you. I think that's something we overlook because we think we have all the answers. We do have the answer, which is Christ, but sometimes we may need to see a new perspective. Look, I've, I've had deep, deep discussions with atheists and people that don't believe in God, and I've had some of the best conversations with those guys. I've had the same conversations with Christians, too. But I'm telling you, you don't have to all see things exactly the same way to be able to love and minister to people. You don't always have to have the perfect setup. You don't have to have the perfect drums and keys and microphones. And Listen, Jesus ministered over a meal. I mean, in a dark alley with Nicodemus. Be careful trying to paint this picture of what you think it's always going to look like because it's moment by moment and day by day. You may be you may be in the upper room just basking in God's glory, and that is awesome. But you may be in prison. You may be suffering. Don't discount suffering. There's opportunity in it. There's, there's doors that are flung open when, when people are hurting that would never be there. They may never step foot in this church, but you may see them in a hospital. You may see them at McDonald's. You may see them at Walmart or Target or Publix, wherever you shop. I just want to encourage you that when things are shaken, don't, don't panic because your real foundation is not shaken. When everything around you starts to shake a little bit, it's okay. Governments will shake. Economies shake. Man, jobs will shake. We know. I look at Tiffany. Tiffany's just gone through this with her. Houses will shake. We, you know, we had plans. We had all these plans to build this barn dominium. It was going to be awesome. Wasn't going to happen. God had a better plan. As much as I wanted to build, how awesome is it that I got a shop with a car lift and air already in it? I didn't even have to build it. I mean, it's better than I thought. That's usually what it is when God when God does it. The cool thing about submitting to to God is not submitting as out of fear and obligation. It's submitting because He has a better plan for you. I'll have to finish this later. I know y'all are hungry because I am. Um, Yeah, I don't want to go too far because I can't get to the end of it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'll tell him you said that. buddy. All right. He's back there with all y'all's kids. All right. Um, just one, one of my favorite, another, I, I, my life is mostly like 90s comedy TV shows, but um, there are lots of different shows and movies and different things that I've seen, and one of the ones was uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, and I love the scene when I think the beaver's talking, to, or they're talking to each other, he's talking about, is he, is he safe? He's like, who, who gave you the idea that no one told you he was safe, but he is good? And I love that picture because that's, that is how God is. I tell our kids, they always say, this isn't fair. That's a pretty common thing in our house. This isn't fair. And I always tell them fair is where you get, like, chicken on a stick and they have, like, <laughs> Ferris wheels and stuff. Life is not fair. I say it all that they get sick of it, I'm sure, but I say it all the time. Life is not fair. Life is not safe. 
That doesn't mean you can't enjoy life. You have an abundant life. It's full. But don't pretend like it's safe. And don't panic when things feel unsafe because they're always going to be that way at any different level. Don't panic. Rest. The only thing the Bible teaches us to strive for, it says to strive to enter into his rest. That's the only striving you need to do. From that place of rest, now you can be bold like Paul and Silas. (laughs) Say, we'll leave when we're ready. If the door flings open, if we want to leave, we will. But you may have something to do in the area that you're in that may feel like a prison. Listen, rest, hear what he's saying. We we are walking, talking temples of the Holy Spirit. He said, clay jars, I call you Dixie cups. You guys are Dixie cups. We're very frail, and, and we have this flesh that's busted and broken, and we get sick, and we hurt, and we're brokenhearted, and we cry. Well, I cry. And we... We deal with all these different things, but we house the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. You, you carry that with you everywhere you go. No matter where you go, he's not checking out. He's like, hey, I'm here too. Don't neglect that. Don't neglect it moment to moment, day by day. Rest in it and live from that place. Stand up with me. Father, I thank you, um, Lord, that we can... We can enter into your rest and we can live from you. Lord, you are the vine and we are the branches. We weren't designed to abide in branches. Lord, don't, don't lead us to look for you in people. You have given us you in us. <laughs> Lord, we can live from that place and we can minister to people boldly as sons and daughters with new lineage. Lord, you've given us spiritual blessings, blessings on blessings and grace upon grace to give others. Lord, you've given us the spirit of reconciliation, Lord, so that we can reconcile others to you. Lord, thank you that even as we're in this place right now, you are preparing a way. We don't even know what's going to happen. Lord, we may cast out a spirit and get arrested today. (laughs) Lord, we don't know what the rest of the day is. We may have our plans, but you may have some different plans. Lord, help us to see that waitress that's struggling and pray for that we can tip big, that we can bless. Lord, help us to see um, that person that, that, that is hopeless, that feels like just like that guard was about to take his own life. Lord, help us to see that person that is struggling, that is hurting, that needs you. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet and your eyes and your ears and your mouth, Lord, to minister to those people in our lives. Lord, forgive us that, that we, if we ever thought it was just in this building, Lord, this is just a preparing place to go out. Lord, open our eyes when we walk out of these doors to see your people, to see them as you see them in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You'll have a wonderful day.